Hey, welcome to Access. John here. Over the course of the next few weeks, we hope that you will join us after the service for small group discussions about the message. Also, please pray as we are considering making this a regular part of our services. Do you believe that being a Christian means you have to be intolerant of all other faiths and beliefs? This is the second part in a four-part series called Why Are You a Christian? where we're going to discuss why in the world we can't all just get along. This message is entitled, Coexist. Well, welcome back. This is the second week in a four-week series called Why Are You a Christian, where we are talking about Christian apologetics, which is the defense of the faith. Um, through this series, we are giving a gentle answer, a gentle and calm answer to common arguments and complaints that are made against Christians and, and accusations as to why Christianity couldn't possibly be true, why the Bible couldn't possibly be true. And today what we're going to do is we're going to tackle or try attempt to tackle a common argument that is um, a belief system in and of itself. And you might have seen this belief system riding around on the back of people's vehicles in the form of a bumper sticker called Co Coexist. Maybe you've seen it, maybe you haven't. It's a blue bumper sticker with white lettering. If you haven't seen it, then I would really strongly encourage you to look for it because um, it, it says something about our faith. Basically, basically what this bumper sticker asks is why can't we all just get along? Now, many people believe that the problem with Christianity is that Jesus' followers are often intolerant of other religious beliefs. Um, after all, isn't, pretty, isn't it pretty arrogant to claim that, that you, as a Christian, hold exclusive truth? Don't you find it ironic that every single religion in the world makes this same claim? And isn't it wrong for someone to say that our religion is right and all other religions are wrong? Especially when you haven't really studied about other religions to see what they believe and why they believe it. Aren't there many pathways to God? And wouldn't this world be a better place if we could all just get along? Well, these are all great questions that the Bible, I believe, has answers for. But before we study our Bibles, what I want to do is I want to read a quote from Oprah Winfrey. And you may be wondering, why in the world should we care what Oprah Winfrey has to say? Why should she get to weigh in on this topic? And the answer is because she has a huge audience. Many people, especially a lot of American women, look to Oprah as a source of wisdom and a source of advice. There are a lot of women who didn't even know who they were going to vote for this year until Oprah told them who. She has an incredibly huge fan base and she has an incredible influence on our culture. And it seems that what Oprah seems to believe is a lot of what culture seems to believe. So here are a couple of her, her, her quotes from public forums. I just want to want you to listen to these and pay attention and see if you can discern what it is that she's saying. She says on one of her shows, one of the mistakes that we make as human beings is to believe that there is only one way. She's referring to one way to God. There are many paths to what you call God. What you call God, others might call the light. There couldn't possibly be only one way. We're a diverse group of people. In another public forum, she says, I am a Christian. That is my faith. I am not asking you to be a Christian. If you want to be one, I can show you how but it is not required. I have a respect for all faiths. All faiths. My definition of spirituality is living your life with an open heart through love, allowing yourself to align with the values of tolerance and acceptance and harmony and cooperation and reverence for life. There is a force, a thread that I believe connects all of us to something greater than ourselves. Now, this might sound good, this might say, you know, I, I believe that. I do believe that. Yes, I believe that. 
But listen to what Oprah has said. According to Oprah, there are many roads to God. Not only does Oprah have the ability to influence millions of American people, her system of theology is what would seem to shape the theology of our culture. I'm not suggesting that Oprah came up with it, but I'm saying that she's cashing in on it. She has a lot of people agreeing with her. And she is a huge voice in America today. It suggests that each of us should basically, you know, you keep your faith personal and you keep your faith private. It suggests that we all have a measure of truth because truth is relative. What's true for you isn't necessarily true for me. It suggests that nobody has to be wrong, that we can all be right. And this is, of course, championed under the banner of Rodney King's statement, why can't we all just get along? Oprah has developed a very convenient system of theology that allows her to believe what she believes without offending anybody, without offending any of her very, very large fan base. See, faith is important to her, but her fan base, I believe, is more important. And Oprah, she has, she has done everything that she can to not be offensive. She says that truth is relative, but that's not what Scripture tells us. Truth isn't relative. What's right for you isn't necessarily right for me is not the right way to look at truth. Truth isn't relative. The Bible tells us that truth is a person. Truth is the embodiment of Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 14:6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man may come to the Father except through me. He's saying, I am truth. Oprah is so careful not to offend anyone. And she refuses to acknowledge an important truth about truth. And that is, truth is offensive. Truth is offensive because Jesus is offensive. On one occasion, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Get behind me, Satan. That's pretty offensive. Try that out in your family circles. Try that out in your circles of friends. You don't like advice somebody's giving you? Get behind me, Satan. See how they take it. That's offensive. On one occasion, Jesus' Jesus' mother and his siblings came to see him, and they wanted to talk to him, and he was in the middle of teaching. And look what he says in Matthew 12, 48. He says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Uh, That's offensive. That's offensive. Oh, excuse me, Jesus. I didn't realize you were going to go all Hollywood on us when you got famous and forget who your family was. That's offensive. Listen to what he says to the Pharisees in Matthew 12, 34. He says, you brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? That's offensive. He goes on to tell them that, you know, they think that their father is Abraham, that they're they're followers of God. But he tells them that if that were true, you would have recognized me. He says in John 8, 44, you belong to your father, all right. You belong to your father, the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desire. That's offensive. Jesus of scripture was incredibly offensive. Why else do you think the Pharisees hated him and devised a way to have him crucified? It was because Jesus spoke the truth and truth is offensive. What would Christianity look like if everyone just simply adopted the theology of Oprah? Everybody can be right. Nobody has to be wrong. Would we all get along? Is that what the world would look like? Islam, Judaism, and Christianity are the three largest religions in the world. Jews seem to be content 
with just getting along to get along. They don't have huge pushes for evangelism, trying to convert anybody. So maybe they'd be okay with it. But what about the Muslims? Do you believe that Muslims are ever going to be are ever going to be tolerant of other religions? Do you believe that's true? Allow me to read you a passage from the Quran and you can decide for yourself. This is from Surah 2, verse 191. And kill them, the unbelievers, wherever you find them, and drive them out from whence they drove you out. And persecution is severer than slaughter. And do not fight with them at the sacred mosque until they fight with you in it. But if they do fight you, then slay them. Such is the recompense of all believers. Unbelievers, excuse me. A very small fraction of Islamists are violent, but there are also plans for biological jihad. Biological jihad, or holy war, is the process of immigrating to every major country and having as many children as possible. It is believed that by having as many children as possible, that Islam will eventually be the dominant force in that country. And once it's the dominant force, then it can take over and it can get rid of all the people that don't believe that the way that you do. So basically, there are plans for biological jihad. Now I tell you this not to frighten you, because I don't believe that we should be afraid of terrorists. I don't believe that we should be afraid of man and what man can do. I believe we should be afraid of God and what God can do. I'm not afraid of Muslims. I'm not afraid of Jews or anyone else. I'm not afraid of atheists. You name them. I'm not afraid of them because I'm afraid of God. I fear the Lord. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The reason I tell you this is not to scare you. The only reason I tell you this is to make the point that even if we submitted to Oprah's kind of thinking, that other people wouldn't. Does that make it okay? Well, just keep your, keep your eyes on and keep your brain for just a minute. Keep your ears open. The world will never, never peacefully coexist. Religion will never peacefully coexist with one another. Why? Because truth doesn't coexist with lies. Truth does not coexist with something that is false. Truth exposes lies. They will never be friends. They will never get, a, get along. You know, this world claims that they want tolerance and that Christians are intolerant. But many Christians are tolerant. Tolerance says, I don't agree with you, but I will show love to you anyway by not condemning you. What culture seems to think tolerance is, is that if I disagree with you, I will keep silent about it. If I disagree with you, I'll let you believe I, I agree with you. I, I won't tell you I disagree. Christianity has a reputation as being intolerant of other religions. And if you're familiar with church history, especially the Crusades, then it's not hard to see why. Intolerance says convert or face repercussions. Convert or have, face the consequences. And in several cases in history, Christianity has said, convert or die. Now, isn't it ironic, though, that Christianity is often on the other side of intolerance? For example, in, in culture today, people are asked what they believe. And when people from other faiths and other backgrounds share their beliefs and the, the, you know, what, they, what they believe and why they believe it, they are credited for being objective and open-minded, and they are congratulated for being forward thinkers in our culture. However, when a Christian stands up and says, I believe what the Bible says is true, they are accused of being prejudiced, closed-minded, and intolerant of other religions. 
Other faith backgrounds don't agree with Christians, and they're con- they're credited for being objective. But but Christian because Christians don't agree with them, we're told we're intolerant. While we're not being killed for our faith as Americans, any kind of outward expression of our faith often suffers repercussions, often suffers consequences. Keeping your faith private is not tolerance. Ben Rast, the Christian apologist, says we cannot keep the faith if we keep it from others. That's not the faith. Jesus doesn't give us an option of keeping our faith private. Not everyone can be right because there is only one right and the rest is wrong. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 30, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. Jesus tells each of us that we, we must align with him and, and that, that, you know, that there's only one way to God and it's through him. He draws a line in the sand and tells us to decide which side of the line are we going to stand on. Are we going to be on team Jesus or are we going to be on team everything and everyone else? Who are we going to serve? A person's faith <laughs> is a part of their identity. It is a part of their identity. Keeping your identity private is an impossibility. You can't do it. If you are a Christian, you cannot keep silent. Keeping your identity private is like saying, you can be black, but don't be black in public. If you align with Jesus, it's a violation to your faith and a violation to Scripture to keep your Christianity at home and live like the world in public. Consider the repercussions of of keeping your faith private. What would that look like? What would happen to you as a believer? It would mean that you could never tell somebody what you believe and why you believe it. You could never disagree. It would mean that you and I could surrender to the thought that the world is a better place without God in it. What do you believe about these people that haven't surrendered to Christ before they die? What do you believe? Where do you believe they go? Does everybody get to heaven? Or does scripture tell us something different? Keeping your faith private means being content with other people dying and going to hell. People don't like the truth. They don't want to be corrected. And being private about your faith means allowing them to go whatever the way they want to go. Does that sound like something God wants you to do? Does that sound more like something the devil would want? Paul says in Romans 10, 13 through 14, he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? You see, the world doesn't want tolerance from Christians. They want silence. They want silence because the truth hurts. You can be a Christian, just be a Christian over there. Don't be a Christian around me. I don't want to hear your hate rhetoric. Don't shove it down my throat. Why do they feel that way? Well, they feel that way a lot of times because Christians have abused their responsibility. Sometimes we lord truth over people and go, yeah, 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 yeah. That's the wrong kind of offensive. Sometimes we just say, listen, this is what the Bible says. And I'm telling you this because I love you. People don't like that. They want us to be quiet. Shut up. Get out of here. Why? Because Jesus is offensive. The truth is offensive. 
The only way people like Oprah can claim Christianity and surrender to culture's demands of acceptance and equality in religion is to omit scripture. Claiming that all religions can contain truth and are therefore equal in teaching means to omit several of Jesus' teachings. Thomas Jefferson, the United States' third president and one of the founding fathers and author of the Declaration of Independence, he believed along the same lines as Oprah. If you don't like what Scripture says, you just can omit the verses and cut them out. Literally. (laughs) Thomas Jefferson literally got out a Bible and a razor blade and he cut everything out of the Gospels that he didn't like. He actually published a book from the conclusion. It's often referred to as the Jefferson Bible. It's actually called The Life and Morals of Jesus of Nazareth. And in it, he excluded all of Jesus' miracles, including anything that seems supernatural. This means he cut out any passage that suggested that Jesus was divine, especially the resurrection. And Jefferson composed this book for his own satisfaction, supporting a Christian faith as he saw it. What a forward thinker. Let me ask you, would you ever cut out verses that you don't like from the Bible? Would you ever go into the Bible with whiteout and cover over the parts that you don't like? Seems blasphemous, right? It's blasphemous to to get out a razor blade and remove things from the Bible or to cover them up. Especially when Scripture warns us on multiple occasions not to do that. Deuteronomy 4.2, Do not add to what I gave you or what I commanded you and do not subtract from it, but keep the commands the Lord your God and I, Moses, gave you. Revelation 22:19 And if anyone takes words away from this book of prophecy God will take away from him his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. While we would most likely never do this in a literal way, I don't think really any of us would get out a razor blade and cut verses out. Maybe you would, maybe I'm wrong, but I haven't and I just have a hard time believing that people do that. I believe that we're often guilty of doing this in figurative ways. Sure, our Bibles are intact. However, we can just as easily omit Scripture in our minds by not studying them, by not quoting them, by not trying to understand what they mean. I did this for years. I ignored doctrine that I didn't like, and I avoided issues that were too hard to understand. It was laziness on my part, but it was the same thing. I I especially avoided passages of Scripture that cost me something in return. We don't have the privilege of changing scripture to fit our lives. We don't get to do that. The Bible seems old and outdated. As I've said before, scripture has never been in date. We can't change scripture to fit our lives. We must allow God to make changes in our lives to fit scripture. We must allow God's word to speak to us and show us how wrong we are. Nobody likes that. It's uncomfortable. It's offensive. You know, what the Bible has said has never agreed or been congruent with what culture says is okay. The reason being that Scripture has never promoted that any kind of sinful act or sinful conduct is acceptable and pleasing to the Lord, that God overlooks our sin. He doesn't. You can't omit God's word and follow God. You cannot omit His word and follow Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is the word, and when you omit the word, you omit Christ. Scripture lays out parameters as to what sin is, and people in our culture just don't like it. And so when Christians promote it, it seems incredibly offensive and like we're, we're being intolerant of other religions. 
Maybe you've seen that bumper sticker that says coexist. It's made up of symbols from several different religions. The C is the crescent for Islam. O is the symbol for peace and pacifism. E is the symbol for gender equality and homosexual rights. X is the star of David or the symbol of Judaism. I is the symbol of paganism. S is the symbol for Taoism. And of course, T is the symbol for the cross, which stands for Christianity. Now, uh, the peaceful protest of pacifism, you know, the peace symbol and gender equality aren't really religions, but they needed those symbols to make the, make the statement work, and so they used them. There is a tendency in our culture today to, to look at religion as a kind of virus or a dangerous philosophical infection. While it might seem this, this, this bumper sticker comes from love and acceptance and, and just holding hands and singing kumbaya, it actually comes from uh, an atheist movement saying that all religion is wrong and no religion can be right. You might think, well, that's taking a stretch, that's taking a leap. Well, who wants you to believe this? In the Christian faith, who would want you to believe that all religions are right? God or the devil? The devil wants to destroy faith. And so our culture promotes things like coexist. They believe that our culture today believes that, that, that religion is a kind of a virus, a philosophical infection. In other words, it's a belief that religion hijacks minds, that, that it keeps people from thinking. It suggests that if we can just free our minds from religions, then we can just all just peacefully coexist. If the world had no religions at all, then we could finally coexist. Yet another approach that suggests that the world would be better without God in it. I believe we can coexist if we could just abide by a very simple principle. We have to stop getting angry and aggressive towards each other when someone claims to hold exclusive truth. Ravi Zacharias, uh, the, the author of the book Coexist, and an apologist, a Christian apologist, he says, every voice that claims to hold exclusive truth should be given an opportunity to defend itself. In other words, here is your microphone. If you believe that you have exclusive truth, then stand up and speak, but be prepared for questions and criticism. The problem with our culture isn't that God is supreme over it. The problem in our culture is that they want to believe what they want to believe without any rhyme or reason, without any question, without any challenge. And if you challenge them, you're just being intolerant. If Muslims claim to hold exclusive truth, then put down the sword and let's speak about it. Put down, put down you know, uh, whatever your aggressive actions are and, and here's your microphone and, and speak about what you believe is the truth, but be prepared for criticism. The same could be said for Christians. Put down your sword, Christian. If you claim to have exclusive truth, then here's your microphone. Stand up and speak about it, but be prepared to defend yourself. The same can be said for Jews and Buddhists and atheists alike. And atheists, don't kid yourself. That's a belief system, otherwise known as a religion. Bumper stickers that say coexist, it was directed towards Christianity because Christians are seen as being intolerant. All of us have common ground, though. I believe we can coexist if we would, we would just realize we have common ground. Every single human being has deep questions that they're seeking answers for. Why am I here? Where did I come from? What is, what is the meaning of life? What's my purpose? What will happen when I die? All religions seek to answer these questions. We have common ground. We shouldn't stifle these questions and say, you know what, we figured it all out, so you just stop asking questions. Just trust us. 
We should instead seek answers for them and we should we should encourage questions. Why should I believe the Bible and follow Jesus? Well, if you have that question, well, I would not only challenge you to go online and listen to the What is the Bible series that we've done, but go and study that for yourself. Don't just believe everything that I have to say about it. Go and, go and pray about it. Go and ask God to reveal it to you. Go study it. If you don't believe in God, then go study. Many, many people have done that before you that haven't surrendered just for, from what somebody else has said. I would challenge you to go seek an answer to those questions. And before I close, I want to give you a, a, give a message that is exclusively for followers of Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian, you just discredit the rest of this. You should never be ashamed of being a follower of Jesus Christ. You're free to believe what you believe and stand up for what you believe. Being tolerant of other religions doesn't mean that you have to stay silent. Christians are often accused of being intolerant because we have a natural sinful tendency to destroy and avoid others that don't agree with us. That's, that's not what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means to be a sinful human being. We feel so strongly about what we believe and we can't keep silent about it. And, and you know what we know to be true, we want to share it. That is the work of God in our lives. However, we also have a tendency to tear people down and condemn those that don't agree with us. That's not of God. There is nothing that you can do or say to convince someone else that Jesus is the Son of God and that he has been resurrected from the dead. You can't convince someone, but we're still supposed to talk about it. Listen to what Jesus says to Simon Peter in Matthew 16, 15 through 17. He says, but what about you, Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by, by man, but by my Father in heaven. Translation, you didn't figure this out because your high school professor told you, or college professor told you. You didn't, you didn't figure this out because your mom and your dad. God has revealed this to you, and only God can reveal this to you. you you're not super smart. God has been the one that's been working this miracle in your life. We not only have to practice tolerance and patience for people who don't believe the way that we do, we have to understand that God has been the one that has been revealing things to us, and he hasn't yet revealed it to others. That's God's business. God has constantly revealed things to me that, that he hasn't revealed to others, and I've had people emphatically come to me and say, God has shown them something, and I just don't share that conviction. This doesn't mean that, that I get to condemn them any more than they get to condemn me. And I say, well, I'm right and you're wrong. All it means is that God has, taking, has been taking his time revealing to each of us what we can handle. Think about this. If God revealed to you everything at once, your brain would explode. You'd fall into a deep depression. You'd probably commit suicide because you can't handle all of the truth. <laughs> a few good men. You can't handle the truth. It's true. God reveals to us what we are ready to understand. So instead of condemning people or isolating yourself from them, lift them up in prayer. Instead of getting violent or avoiding them, go to the Lord in prayer about them. Lift them up. You know what? I've often said that, that prayer is a powerful force in the life of a Christian. Jesus said in, in Matthew 5, 44, he says, But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. I believe that prayer changes our circumstances. I believe that God works through prayer. But I also believe that prayer changes us more than it changes our circumstances. God uses prayer to change us. It is an impossibility 
to advocate the well-being of somebody else and hate them at the same time. God uses praying for our enemies as a way to shape and mold us on how to deal with them. When we when God answers us in prayer, it's awesome. If there were ever an advocate for peacefully coexisting, I believe it would have been Jesus Christ through the Apostle Paul. Listen to what he says in Ephesians 6.12. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. When we follow Christ into battle with the devil, we don't have to compromise our beliefs, nor do we have to compromise Scripture. When we have the right enemy in sight, We can live with others in this world and peacefully coexist. We can say, you know what? You don't believe what I I believe, but I'm going to love you anyway. I'm not going to condemn you because that's not my job. But I can witness to you. Well, how can we say that we believe the truth when we haven't studied all the religions? I want to tell you, I've studied a lot of religion. Um, I was required to do this in school. You study world religions and studied anthropology and, and you know studied about uh, famous anthropologists like uh, Joseph Campbell. Joseph Campbell studied just about every religion in the world and, and he formed his own religion, a little bit of everything. He says everybody's right and everybody's wrong and I, I've just taken the parts that I like. But that was his own religion. And Joseph Campbell, while he was a brilliant man, he never experienced Christianity from the inside out. Always from the outside looking in. And there's a danger in that. How do we get to say as Christians that all other religions are wrong and that ours is right? How do we get to say that? Well, um, I, I was reading um, Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. And in Henry's, Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God, one of the things that he says is that uh, in Canada, they have their policemen, they train them to spot counterfeit bills. They're, they're, they're the Mounties, Canadian Mounties. They... they um, put them through training to spot counterfeit bills. And to spot all the counterfeit bills, they don't have them examine every counterfeit bill that ever existed. They simply have them study and examine the genuine article. That way, when they see something that isn't true or isn't the genuine article, they're able to spot it easily as a fake. You as a Christian don't have to study every single teaching out in the world. All you do is have to, you have to study the genuine article. And when you know the truth, you'll be able to spot a lie. There's no reason we can't peacefully coexist other than the truth is offensive. Stick to the truth. Study the truth. And you'll be able to spot a lie. Hey, thanks again for listening. We pray that God blessed you through this message and has given you a clear direction for your life. Please remember to download our church app by searching FBC Rungi in Google Play or iTunes. And remember to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss another message. If you have any questions about today's message, you can contact us via Facebook or Twitter or use our website. Until then, we hope that you share in our vision to help people take root, grow, and bear fruit. And if so, then let's get out there and get to work.